0: Hey there, everybody. This is your host, Connor McCabe, and before we get into this week's episode of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, uh, we're once again going to go over uh, five action items and resources uh, that you can use uh, to help the Black Lives Matter movement and make change in this country. So uh, the first thing, and we're going to try to make it a lot more brief than last week. I spent seven minutes talking about it, so I'm going to try to make this Really quick. Uh, so the first thing is that if you have been um, responding to calls for action, whether it be emailing um, police departments uh, for justice and, and and accountability for officers who have murdered people or who have committed other crimes. Um, oftentimes, uh, you will see these template emails that, um, in a moment, can seem good and helpful to you know fill out a template email, put your name uh, in a, in a in a place, put a little personal note as to why you think certain police should be uh, held accountable for their actions. And oftentimes, these things can actually be filtered out and uh, thrown away by departments and by assistants. So. Um, I'm actually calling for people to write their own emails and send the, and, and make their own phone calls. Um, so a couple, uh, there's many, many um, people that we could be calling for justice for right now, the two that I want to focus on for today. Um, are and it's, it's, which is obviously not enough. Are Brianna Taylor and Elijah McLean. Brianna Taylor, her, she has had one op, There's been one officer arrested in her murder. Of course, as you're familiar, the three officers who uh, used a no-knock warrant to break into her home and shoot her in her sleep. Um, so we're calling for justice and the defunding of that par- department. So there's a link, uh, in, and of course, is everything that we're talking about today, there are links in the show notes. So feel free to follow those. Um, you can uh, call and email that her, the Louisville Police Department. And there's also uh, justice for Elijah McClain, uh, the the boy who was uh, murdered last August by uh, by police as he was walking home getting a. Uh, an iced tea for his brother, uh, and detained for, uh, uh, quote-unquote, suspicious activity. So he was murdered, uh, and it's a very sad story, but there's more information as well there as how you can call for justice for Elijah as well. The second thing I want to talk about today is organizing your resources. I'm sure a lot of people are seeing uh, many resources, many helpful graphics on Instagram, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. You'll like something, move on. Um, There's a little link in the show notes um, detailing how you can actually start saving these resources and making time to uh, address these resources. So um, it's a lot of having to do with simply just saving them on your Instagram to a collection and then making time in your day to check them out. So there's a little resource there that outlines how you can do that. As we talked about, Next week, this is the third action item. Nintendo um, uses prison labor. Um, To be clear, I actually called Nintendo and had about an hour-long phone call with a couple reps who could not confirm with me whether or not they do use prison labor or not. They could not definitively say they have a policy in place that has basically ethical guidelines for the production of their manufacturing Um, but, uh, but they could not tell me whether or not the company was adhering. So I'll be calling them back. The petition has, uh, 200 and I believe 13 signatures right now. So that's up from the 26 when we, uh, talked about it last week. So please sign that if you haven't shared with fellow people, uh, or fellow gamers, uh, and then the fourth one is learn about and call for the defunding of police. There's a link to the Black Lives Matter petition in the show notes. There's also defund12.org. There's a link to that, um, which can help you uh, like uh, contact your city council members, look up the policies in your town, and call for the defunding of police wherever you live. Because as we have heard time and time again, reform is not the answer. Abolishing the police is the answer because that is what saves black lives Uh, You can have all these policies in place, and police will still abuse their power and murder people. So um, I definitely encourage you to check that out. Something I used to be apprehensive about, and now I'm fully on board. So the last thing is we're going to, again, lift up the... um, The, uh, excuse me, the fundraiser, the Okra Project, as we did last week, which is an organization that helps bring black trans people healthy, nutritious, and culturally specific meals, especially those experiencing food insecurity. That's a great place to put some of your money. Of course, there's many other uh, resources we could have had for you today. Those are the five. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me as well. Uh, If you ever have any questions, want to learn more about this stuff, or or have anything that you might want to talk through. So uh, enjoy this episode today with our, our, our incredible guest, David Danella, a buddy I've been looking forward to having on the show, and we'll talk to you very soon. Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. Uh, if you've never listened to this show before, um, this is a podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a friend to talk about a video game that is special to them from their past. We talk about not only what they love about the game, but also what they remember about being special during the time that they played it. Because um, uh, for me, that is sometimes uh, as interesting as what someone might love about a game, Uh it, it, end of sentence um a little housekeeping before we uh get rolling first if you want to visit our website you can do that at callmebyyourgame.com where we've got the rest of the podcast episodes listed there the old video episodes we used to be able to do and more information about our team Uh, you can email us with any questions anything you want to know any suggestions at podcast at gmail.com and then if you listen to the show you want to support it whether it's your first time or your millionth time listening to the show uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts uh, you can give us a rating and review there that helps our visibility or share this with a friend who either likes video games in general or maybe even likes the game that we are talking about today um that's it for the housekeeping let's get into what I always say is the best part of the show when I relieve the guests of only listening to my voice and I'll go ahead and welcome my guest today who is an improviser dream realizer and literal computer hunk from Philadelphia living in Los Angeles welcome to the microphone David Dinella
1: hey Connor how you doing
0: Hey, dude! I'm so good, and it's—I uh, know we've been talking for like 20 minutes already, but it's so good to hear your voice. It's—it's
1: it's good to hear your voice too, uh, even 20 minutes deep. And I'm so excited yeah. to uh, to be here to talk about a game that I think not enough people yell about.
0: Hey, perfect! That's a—that's a pretty good way to describe this game, and we can just go ahead and say up top what game we're going to talk about, and that is Final Fantasy VIII.
1: Final Fantasy VIII. It's
0: the for the for the people keeping track out there uh this is the second final fantasy game that we are uh doing on this show the first one take a wild guess that would be final fantasy 7 go figure <laughs> with producer of the show jeremy schmidt um but yeah so we're gonna talk about uh this game today but before we get going uh david let's talk about well i know you i mean for this isn't something i told you about before the show but i know you because uh, we are we we do improv together. We've done improv together. Met in the UCB community in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. that's how we know each other. People might know you through through that as well. We're the Philly improv scene, right? You did stuff out there.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I said oh yeah. Like it's <laughs> 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 like you cracked your knuckles, of, getting, of, getting ready to like share a bunch of Philly people. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I I, I was uh, very active in the Philly scene, active in the Philly podcasting scene. Um, oh really yeah i used to um co-host a uh game of thrones podcast called stark raven mad
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i can appreciate a good title and that is a good title my friend (laughs) that's incredible um i mean that's how those are how i know you is there anything else that people might know you from or did we sum it up
1: um yeah i think we i i think we summed it up like you you um if you know me it's probably because you know me personally and if you know me personally it's <laughs> probably because I was hanging out at your comedy theater.
0: Boom. And that that is the case for I think 95% of the guests on yeah. the show. So, welcome to the club. Um but and before we talk about Final Fantasy 8 today, which uh was a PlayStation 1 game originally, mm-hmm. uh let's get into your his- your history with video games in general. Um, do you remember when you first like got into video games or were like captured by them?
1: So, uh, I don't know if it was a, um, an absolutely distinct memory. And that's only because I don't remember, I don't remember having consciousness and not being interested in video games. Um, Mm. but with the caveat that it was not, it was not video, video games, um, At first it was uh, PC games and specifically MS DOS games, because I was about uh, three years old and my dad used to go to, and I don't think these things exist anymore. My dad used to go to um, computer shows, which were these um, like exhibitions that would happen in like, you know, hotel conference rooms where people would just bring like PC parts and uh, like games and like, I I guess it was like, you know, because this would be the early 90s. It was still kind of the Wild West uh, for, um, you know, personal computer ownership. So um, one of the one of the features of these uh, these these computer shows was they would just be these bins of um, floppy disks that were filled (laughs) with um, what I now realize. And maybe even are they might have even been bootleg, but they were certainly only the shareware versions of full computer games Mm -hmm. and my dad used to go to these things and also why he was there. I don't know. He was, uh, you know, we had our computers, um, and maybe he was just going to get us games, but he would just go through the, the, um, these bins of just loose floppy disks and buy like two or three shareware games, you know, stuff like, um, like Jill of the jungle, Zargon, (laughs) the treehouse commander keen um oh, really old ms dos games <clears throat> and uh and he would bring them home and um you know he, he you know he would at that at when i was like 3 4 he would install them for me but uh once he installed them it was like i was on my own so like very early on in my life i just remember like because I was so into video games, I basically started teaching myself how to read um, because I needed to be able to get these video games to play. And the only way to do that was to go into MS DOS, you know, know how to like get into the directory of a floppy drive and run the game. Um, So definitely my biggest memories of early gaming are that he had he got me a, um, a bootleg Street Fighter For PC and Street Fighter eventually did come out for PC, but I don't think this was this because um, the Street Fighter he got me had a. It had a character from one of like the SNK games also in it. Um, It was like, I I think his name was like Joe or something like that. Um, And it was just so it was just like it was just this completely like bootleg hack Street Fighter. But um, yeah, playing Street Fighter on MS-DOS was definitely my first like thing that hooked me in video games. And I was I was hooked ever since.
0: That's amazing. Um, a few things I found especially interesting about that is that I you're you're from Philadelphia. I have a couple questions. Mm-hmm. One, did your dad work in technology because you were like I don't know why he was at these expos?
1: So at the time, uh, my dad was. This was actually we were living in Northern New Jersey at this point. Okay. Um, so we, I moved to Philly when I was seven. Um, but so at the time, my dad was working at AT and T, um, mm. and this was. Uh, I mean, if I haven't already uh, revealed my age uh, in in talking about (laughs) playing computer games off of a floppy disk, um, this was at a time where AT&T had already been broken up as a monopoly, but it was still a major, major, major corporation. Okay. Um, And so he was, I mean, he was a lawyer, so he wasn't involved in technology, but AT&T did um, make computers at that time or release computers. Um, So... um, but, yeah, he was not um, – other than the fact that he was – he himself had been involved with computers from, you know, college onward, um, he was not directly connected to to computers.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Um, so thank you for answering my question. And the second thing I wanted to share You're welcome. was I- – <laughs> oh, thank- oh, man. I almost thanked you again. We're going to get in a cycle of uh, thank you yeah. and welcome. Um, but you're the second person on the show. Uh, and I'm to share that that's how they kind of got into games. And this other is, uh, you know, Michael Hearn, right? Uh, the, Another- yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. He's also from Philadelphia. He's a part of. Uh, he's Michael's a good friend of mine. He's a part of our uh, video games crew. But Hearn came on and talked about Doom uh-huh. uh, earlier this year, and he said that's actually how he got into computers or games. Was like I'm pretty sure at least was his dad would go to the same expos, and he's from the same area. So yeah, I'm wondering if your dads were in the same expos pulling at, like discs out of that whole. They box. probably
1: were. It's I mean, <laughs> the, those the I I, I truly I like. I don't i i guess back then like computers and gun shows were were considered to be the same type of thing because you just i mean you would never see what that is nowadays i mean again i I, like just like bins of like sound cards and modems and you they, they were like they were like flea markets but for computers
0: wow that is that is amazing um Uh, This is also, um, this is my, how I finally have the chance to pivot it to a family history podcast, just (laughs) learning about you and Hearn's families. Um, So that's really cool. So you got into it with uh, like using DOS, which I also had games on floppy disks. So don't worry, you're, you're still, you're in an okay place age wise. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You're welcome. And uh, after that, did you get, did you have consoles after that as a kid? Did you stay with PC gaming? What happened after?
1: So I was, I was desperate desperate, desperate to get a console. Ooh. But my, uh, my parents were both adamantly against me getting a console. They were sure <laughs> that, um, having a, a console, what would lead to the immediate degradation of all the other qualities of my life. Yeah, uh, And so they, they held true to that for, um, for what seemed like an eternity, but in actuality only lasted until I was um, eleven. When nice. I was permitted to, with my own money, buy a Nintendo sixty
0: four. Oh, um, incredible! Yeah, you, you broke the you broke the the broke the seal.
1: I broke the seal. It was it was two or three years after an N sixty four came out. They let me buy mm-hmm. the Donkey Kong edition. Ooh. Um, so I had a clear green uh, Nintendo <laughs> sixty four. Um. But yeah, up until that point, um, it was it was all PC gaming.
0: Yeah you're not the first person, again, not the first person on the show to have this similar experience. I think that was a very common thing when we were growing up, you know, like the high, the kind of like second wave of console gaming was like our parents I think were rightfully so, like in some senses, worried about where our time would go and what happened to our brains.
1: Yeah, Um, and, and, and I mean, to be fair to them, I don't think that they knew, how could they have known, that over the course of the next 10 to 15 years that gaming would become so ingrained in all of the things that we do that, that they were just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic.
0: (laughs) So true. (laughs) It was a, it was a lost cause in some sense. Um, That's amazing. So you had the, you had the Donkey Kong 64 Mm -hmm. and 64. Um, What happened after that?
1: Well, from, from there, uh, once the, um, seal on the dam broke. Uh, <laughs> the, there was no stopping me. So I, you know, I had the Donkey Kong sixty four, and um, this was an economically unsound de- decision. But um, you know, you mentioned earlier that Final Fantasy eight was a PlayStation game, and indeed, it mm-hmm. did come out for the PlayStation. But about a year later, it came out for the PC. So that was my first experience with Final Fantasy eight. Okay. Final cool. Fantasy and se- seven and eight both came out for the PC. Um, And I played them there, but when Final Fantasy nine came out, it only came out for the PlayStation. So I sold my Nintendo 64 to get a PlayStation Mm -hmm. expressly for the purpose of playing Final Fantasy nine. And then, you know, was a PlayStation user for a while. I think uh, after the PlayStation, of course, came the PlayStation two. and from PlayStation Two, now I was like, so now I'm like 13 when I have a PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. um, which is right around the age where you start getting start getting money. You know, you yep. start finding ways to to make money on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and also, um, this is like right around the time when when GameStop starts like act, really like exploding onto the scene. Yep, um, buying up all the Funko lands and the EBs. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so I started, this is when I started kind of getting into used games. Uh, and I, yeah, I basically, you know, would save up like 40 or 50 bucks and then bought like an SNES and bought a dreamcast and bought, you know, just like a bunch of old consoles.
0: Oh, wow. You're a connoisseur.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and unfortunately <laughs> often what I would do is, you know, I would buy like a last gen console, use it for a while and then sell it back to buy a different one. So I, I, I should have this incredible archive of all these things that are really hard <laughs> to get, but instead I have none of it because I didn't, I didn't recognize that what I was doing was a, like a shitty way to spend your money. It's like yeah. terrible. <laughs> so, but um like, it's just like the, like, you have no chance of of retaining any value when you're selling everything for 60 cents on the dollar. If that, yep. Um. yeah. So, so I, you know, I, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I think I still had, I had an original, you know, I had an SNES and I had, um, you know, probably just an Xbox at that point.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, I, you are not alone, my friend, when it comes to selling your old stuff and then having severe regret. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I sold to get the new and to get new consoles or different stuff. Yeah. And that's just how it is as a kid.
1: Yeah. And um, I mean, look, I, I, I got, I, I guess every generation went through this because I know I've talked to both of my parents and they've both mentioned that they had, um, comic books that sell for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that were either thrown away by their parents or just abandoned by them. And and it just, I guess I look, if we all understood the value of things when we were using them, we'd all be in a much different place. Wouldn't we? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's very, very true. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so you, so it sounds like you're playing games through high school. You played, have you just played games up until this point?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I did, I, I did cool down for a while. Um, you know, in, in college, college cool down? there was a college cool down, um, mm-hmm. because I, um, you know, I just didn't have my shit in college. So I just
0: mm-hmm.
1: was doing other stuff and then, um, you know after college there's this there's this fucking awful thing that happens oh, by the way do people curse on this podcast I, people do curse okay. on this
0: podcast there's this awful so go thing, ahead there's this
1: awful thing that happens which is uh <laughs> you've just spent the last you know 21 to 22 years of your life um you know in controlled environments and suddenly you are released into the wild and you're like they're like fend for yourself and yep. <laughs> i i won't go as far as to say i was fending for myself immediately out of college but I did have, um, you know, I I did have to, you know, go get a job and like go kind of try to do adult things and be Mm -hmm. uh, be more self-sufficient. So so my gaming, uh, you know, definitely took a downturn um, there. And I, uh, you know, but I, you know, but I still would would always have a console and was always, you know, reading and keeping up with stuff because it just, you know, I don't know. It it never left me. And I don't know if it does leave you.
0: I, you know, I would argue that it doesn't leave yeah. you. As someone who has the same affliction. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I don't think I know this. Not that this is important, but did you go to school on the East Coast?
1: Uh, yeah, I went to school. I went to um, <laughs> the uh, hippie college of the of America, Hampshire College, which is in Western <laughs> Massachusetts. Um, Amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was up in um, not 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 directly on the coast, but what what I think most people would consider the East Coast.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, and then, the last thing before we like as we wrap up your history with games, are mm-hmm. you playing anything right now? Do you have a console now?
1: Okay. So I do. I have an. I have a PS4 and a Nintendo Switch. Awesome. Um, I <clears throat> am. God. I. I. This is. You're actually the second person I'm going to tell this to. Um, okay. Ooh. I with COVID starting. Uh, with this whole COVID stuff that's going on, I mm-hmm. have reactivated my World of Warcraft account. Oh boy! Um, which is <laughs> um, has not been active in ten years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, but I thought, hey, I'm inside a lot, so why not? Yep. Uh, why not even further reduce my chances of uh, going outside? But then also, I um, I have a Switch and a PS4. Awesome. Um, I play almost zero games on the PS4. What I tend to do is buy games, start them up, and then uh, just, just be like, this is too much of an undertaking, and then walk away. <laughs> um, yep. And then uh, on my Switch, I have uh, I play a lot of Mario Kart and Mario Tennis with my roommate.
0: Ooh, um, Mr. Rob Skirbo.
1: Mr. Rob Skirbo, who, um, <clears throat> you know, he and I are, uh, are challenging each other to get better at those games uh and it's uh it's been great i'm not i'm not i'm not natively somebody who like plays a lot of mario kart um and i realize that the reason that i don't play a lot of mario kart is just because i don't play a lot of like two player games like it's like i'm I'm not playing games around other people having somebody to play (laughs) games with is incredible
0: (laughs) what a world you're living in people should be doing
1: it more and i think they are
0: (laughs) truly um i think it's funny even with uh you know, during it's funny. Also, the first podcast we recorded during COVID was with Mia Schaffler. We talked about a SpongeBob game on the GameCube, uh-huh. and I, when that start, when that was going on, it was like, yeah, this is so weird that we're in this time now, and now it just feels like something we're gonna be in in perpetuity. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted to say that a, that's awesome that you're playing those games. It's so nice to have a buddy to play with. And two, I don't think we're Switch friends. I don't believe. So we should be switch friends and play Mario Kart.
1: yeah 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 I, I guess we'll, we'll let's link up after the podcast and <laughs> get that right um, I love by it. the way uh, look love the switch I, I think it's um I mean God the ps2 was incredible but to me the switch uh, what it's been able to do with its combination of like indie games and its like accessibility and its portability mm-hmm. uh, I've got the switch right now as my as my number one console of all time Wow. Um, that said, the friend coach is bullshit. That is so stupid. <laughs> it's, it, it is insane that it is 2020 and I have to get somebody's social security number to link up with them on these games. Basically. I know Nintendo's not listening to me, but Nintendo, if you're listening to me, why can't I just use the person's goddamn screen name? Yep. Um, so anyway, that's my, that's my brief rant about that. <laughs>
0: I think your brief rant is warranted and I am with you. There's I love the Switch too. It's it's probably up there for me and my top consoles, if not the console ever. But there are some little things that I would definitely change. Yeah. Um, but that's for uh that's for the show where we just shit on video games. That'll yeah. be the episode. Yeah, the
1: ra- <laughs> yeah, the call me by your game rant episode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Um <laughs> perfect. Uh well, perfect. Well, hey, if you're ready to move on, let's get into the History and context of Final Fantasy Eight. Sure. Awesome. So again, like I said before the show, David, I'm gonna start talking about it briefly. Interrupt me if you want, mm-hmm. add on to stuff, or just uh we'll or we'll get through. Or it, just ride it along, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, for those of you who've never played it, Final Fantasy VIII is a JRPG developed by Squaresoft and published for the PlayStation in 1999. Of course, it's been ported to multiple platforms, including PC, Switch, uh, I believe Xbox as well. Um, It's the eighth main installment in the Final Fantasy series and directly followed the cultural phenomenon of Final Fantasy VII, uh, and like most of the series, the game received critical acclaim and was praised especially for its graphics, music, story, and gameplay. You know, the stuff that make up a game. Um, and uh, it also featured around an hour of cinematic cutscenes, and like Final Fantasy VII, featured uh, FMV scenes throughout. Um, however, unlike final fantasy seven uh eight had consistent character models throughout the game so i mean you've played seven so you know that there are parts Mm -hmm. in it where you've got like lego cloud (laughs) essentially walking around and then like like the battle cloud and then the full motion video cloud so this the characters stay pretty consistent yep um it also is famous for a, a couple things aside from... I mean, many things, but two things I will name right now are introducing us uh, to its own... And this is all stuff we can talk about in the main discussion if you want. The, its own playable card game called Triple Triad. And then it's also very well known for its use of the Junction system. Um, the story follows Squall, Leonhart, and his group of young mercenaries as they are drawn into a conflict sparked by Ultimania, a sorceress from the future... Attempting to compress time. Um, is there anything you want to add on or, or to the <clears throat> history and context?
1: Um, just just uh, two two little things of history and context, although that was Please. excellent, Connor, oh, um, is, that, uh, is that Final Fantasy VIII um, kind of followed in a tradition of the Final Fantasies where the directors were kind of thinking about what they could do, A, to, to top the previous one mm-hmm. and b to um you know how how it would be different just they they always wanted to to make sure that each game didn't feel like a retread of the previous game mm. um so you know i i imagine uh you know when call me by your game is in you know year 4 uh and you've oh, done a you. bunch of final fantasy podcasts you'll 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 hear a <laughs> lot of things about how these games are similar but also how each game kind of has its own distinct flavor, and that was very much because of the uh, the attitude that these people yeah. were, uh, that the, the developers were taking on, uh, for yeah. better or worse sometimes. Totally.
0: Um, and oh, and then can, the other yeah.
1: only other thing I wanted to say is that the main character yeah. was um, directly modeled after River Phoenix, which never yes. makes me stop laughing.
0: Yes, there. There's a point in the show, David. At the end, I told you we have a couple fun segments we do at the very end. Oh no,
1: did I spoil something?
0: I was actually, you did not. And but I was, I almost included. Basically, there's a facts section where I share Easter eggs and secrets. I almost put that on there, but I that came up so much that I was like, he's gonna know this. I'm gonna (laughs) not share this. Um, but if you do bring up anything during the show that is a part of that, you. You win a special award, which is me saying good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, to many good jobs in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, very cool. Let's go ahead and just move into the main discussion, dude. Uh, how for, and beginning with, how did you discover this game, or like when did this game? You kind of touched on it earlier, but how did this game come into your life?
1: So, um, I don't know if this is going to be a disappointment to anybody, but Final Fantasy VIII came into my life uh very much through Final Fantasy 7, um, because okay. I was a, you know, again, like maybe like nine or ten, and I was at a family friend's house and they were playing video games and they were playing Final Fantasy 7.
0: What a game to play in a group of people. I know,
1: it was just it was just like <laughs> uh, these were like I, w- I was like nine and there were like some like these kids were like 14 or something like mm-hmm. that, which is that age where you're completely comfortable. Um, just being like hey everybody sit around me and watch me play a video game <laughs> rather than like i know i have like four different games that you all could play or at least take turns on um come <laughs> come play this game that requires knowledge of the game to even begin to to get into it
0: yep that um, tracks
1: but he he was playing final fantasy 8 i mean 7 and i was just like i had not ever seen anything like it i oh, yeah. um like you, you know, there were swords and magic, and I was like, "Oh, this is, this is dope! Like this is like, this is like the kind of shit that I'm into." Um, mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't into that shit at that point, <laughs> you just knew like, at your core. Yeah, like I mean, because I mean, like Lord of the Rings hadn't come out, and even when it did come out, I wasn't into that, and mm-hmm. um, I wasn't really like even I don't know. I, I well, I mean, I know I love sword fighting. Always, because it was sword fighting. But yeah, I don't know. But this this just really appealed to me, even though I wasn't like not 100% sure about what it was. Mm. So then when my birthday rolled around, um, I I knew that Final Fantasy VII was uh, out for computer. Again, I did not have a console at this time. Mm. So I asked my mother for Final Fantasy VII on PC because the rule in my house was no consoles, no video games, but... (laughs) You can have computer games. For some yeah. reason, there was a distinction there. It's um, so
0: funny. Any game, console game could have come out and it would have been okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it.
1: Um, and so um, my mom, uh, who is, you know, the greatest, she went to uh, our local computer store, which was called Micro Center. There's actually one in, in Tustin, California also. Oh, wow. Um is she went there and was you know just went up to a um she went up to you know a, a person working there and was like do you have final fantasy 7 for the pc and they were like yeah we do um and they were like but this other game final <laughs> fantasy 8 just came out and it's the newer one so are you sure you want final fantasy 7 and my mom <laughs> not knowing um not knowing you know what mattered and what didn't matter was like oh um yeah just him, yeah, we'll do Final Fantasy. Yeah, we'll do the new one totally. Um, so the new
0: Mickey Mouse cartoon, sure,
1: yeah. Um, by the way, this is the second time in my life that that had happened. Um, the, <laughs> the, the first time it happened was I had asked for the Karate Kid on VHS. <laughs> oh no, and my grandparents got me the next Karate Kid because it was the newest <laughs> one. Uh, that is so a... I've, I've been, uh, because of that, I've been nursing a crush on Hillary Swank for the last 20 years. Um, hey okay hey, so it's not all bad right No, uh, <laughs> not at
0: all i love that yeah
1: um so so she she came home with final fantasy 8 um which was uh a surprise but also like it is what it is right you know it's yeah. a, it's a computer game it's kind of the thing i wanted um so that's amazing it was like play ball
0: um, oh i love that
1: yeah um so i um you know like just like rushed to my um you know rushed to the the computer that was in our family room and you know began installing it so it was probably (laughs) like a day later that i actually got to play it
0: (laughs) was that Um, multiple discs for the computer
1: yes it was um it was four discs and and with the like with the playstation you had to switch the discs
0: oh yep
1: um as you're
0: installing it you mean
1: or um, like when you play if I recall correctly, I think you had to switch discs as you installed it and as you played it. Okay, Because um, gotcha. I, I think I think the way it worked was um, the, the there was like this base game, right, that was like mm. installed and then all the movies were actually what took up most of the disc.
0: That's right, so just like could, seven.
1: Yeah, so you could like technically play the game just using one disc, but mm. anytime you got to a movie, you needed to be on the right disc. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah. No, installed it over like the course of you know God knows how many hours, and then uh, and then proceeded to play it with a computer that was barely equipped to handle it. Um, yeah. <laughs> my first, uh, my first memory or recollection of playing Final Fantasy VIII is playing Final Fantasy VIII. At probably like 14 frames per second, oh, um, just like everything going super slow, but also you know of course being enthralled by it, um, because you install it, and the first thing that happens right when you when you start playing the game is there's like a, maybe a seven minute cutscene. Okay, it's just this cutscene, and it starts with this wave pushing in and pushing out, and there's a chorus. Like singing, oh. uh, singing in Latin, um, and then you know, and then it's cutting back and forth between a, a girl like walking through a flower field and these two guys fighting each other with <laughs> gun blades, which are swords that are attached to pistol handles. <laughs> and you're just like, and you're just like, immediately, you're like, I need to. This is something that I am going to spend the rest of my summer unpacking yep. I am going to I, I have got to know everything about this game
0: uh, they did such a great job and this in full disclosure I have not played 8 but uh-huh. I am I am very familiar with this opening sequence you're talking about yeah. and even hearing it now just like that choir come in mm-hmm. at the beginning of that is like kind of gives you goosebumps and I would. I would imagine that like as a kid especially when that was state of the art yeah. it's like there's you couldn't pull you away from that
1: yeah oh i mean it's i mean i you know i there will i guess there will i, I don't I, I i'm not gonna say this because i've I, I think we've all had enough instances in our lives where somebody like loudly declares there will never be a blank only for that blank to happen within the next two years yeah um, <laughs> but like i just don't know um the jump that was made and there was obviously another you know other huge jumps that were made but the jump that was made in graphics um you know during the uh like the late playstation era in you know and going from super nintendo to playstation and n64 um and then mm-hmm. to ps2 was so drastic mm-hmm. that it felt like um it, it just it felt like the the world was opening up it, it, yeah. it, it really felt like you were like uh, I, I, you couldn't even fathom what video games were going to be like totally it, it just seemed like all the possibilities were, were opening themselves so yeah
0: dang I, I think that's really uh, I don't know if I would call what you just said uh, profound but I think it's definitely astute because I think that is just totally the case especially I mean it's easy for us to talk about these things now with like 20 years of hindsight but if you look back at even just what those games looked like if you were to tell someone in like 1994 like before the playstation comes out when they're playing like the earlier final fantasies like hey actually let me show you something that's gonna be here in five years i would have a hard time believing somebody because yeah. like you said that leap was so so huge that oh uh, yeah it, and it probably also made us think like as you said like holy crap what's gonna happen next and I think as we learned graphics and stuff improved it was just a little more gradual since yeah. then
1: I mean because I mean really I mean graphics now are, are so incredible yeah they're so incredible but like um but you know you're just never gonna get a leap like that I think I, I couldn't even fathom what that leap would look like at this point
0: um, I'm with you I did you watch the um the PlayStation like state of play the other week
1: I did I did what would you think I- of that?
0: I thought it was really, overall, I thought it was really cool. I wasn't expecting to be, like, blown away because I think my takeaway was, hey, it looks like there are some pretty good games with some, like, solid graphical and, like, uh, I guess system improvements. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I wasn't expecting for, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the game now or some crazy change. What did yeah. you think?
1: I, I mean, same thing. I, I was, like, you know, I was very impressed but also, like, I'm just like, show me the price. Like, that's yeah, I, yes. Like, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know what like, uh, uh, what a console could show me right now that would truly surprise me. I mean, the, the again, like, I'm, I'm, I hope that I don't come away from this podcast sounding like a complete Switch fanboy. But like, <laughs> um, outside of like novel uses of the console itself, a la the Switch, like. PlayStation and Xbox, like really what all they're showing me is just like are there some interesting games coming up and you know how strong are their graphics, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess that's that's pretty much how I feel too. It's uh I there's just like not an expectation of a leap like there sort of used to be. Um yeah, I think you put it pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean like um, I think like this goes sometimes under um under recorded, but like one of the big things that they were bragging about with the PlayStation four was just that it was easier to like stream your games. Cause that's kind of where we're <laughs> at now. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, great.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Um, interesting. Very, very true. Uh, so, let's okay so i actually had another question i wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about final fantasy eight now that we and by the way this show should have tangents so i okay. don't i know i've had guests <laughs> come on here and be like oh my gosh am i talking too much should we not go down that road it's like no let's go down the roads we want to go down yeah well i'll um, never i'll
1: never uh <laughs> apologize for talking too much
0: <laughs> good thank you yeah. um i was going to ask you uh well first I would assume and tell me if I'm wrong that this was maybe your first uh RPG or JRPG and second did you like how did this go did you end up playing through it that summer like how did what happened
1: Yeah so um I oh you know what I maybe I'm trying I can't remember exactly the timeline I might have played Pokemon by then so okay, cool. I had had like maybe just like the smallest amount of experience with it, but yes. for for all intents and purposes, this was my first JRPG, um, and yeah, like I um, and I, I should give a little bit of background, which was that my older sister Sarah was equally interested in this game as oh. I was. So um, the way that I would play it, the way that we would play it, was often that the two of us would, um, you know, sit, you know, by this computer and, um, and we would just trade back and forth. Like, you know, Sarah would play for a while. I'd play for a while and we just play the same game, uh, you know, and experience the story, uh, together. And to be honest, no, we didn't Beat the game that summer.
0: Uh, <laughs> we, it's a complicated J- RPG in general.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's super complicated, um, and um, the junction system, which I'm sure we'll make some time for, um, was was such that to be somebody who wasn't necessarily reading all the way through the tutorials <laughs> and was uh, you know just kind of doing their best and looking at things like, oh, I gained a level, that should be good um yeah. it was um with with this cur- with the first playthrough we did we literally hit a point where the game just got too hard for us yeah it was just too hard and so we, like we had to start over um and mm-hmm. i'm sure that like a um a, a smarter pair would have been able to just <laughs> like fix what had gone wrong with them this first time around but um we were not able to like, we were, we just felt like completely trapped by the game, uh, where everything was stronger than us and we didn't know how to beat it. So we just went back to the beginning.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's understandable though. And I mean, I don't, I mean, she's older than you, but I'm, you were still kid like little kids. Oh yeah. I mean, she was
1: 12 at the most.
0: There you go. So it's understandable to me that you wouldn't have powered through that game on your first try. Yeah. Um, well before we well actually let's let's kind of stay on this track before we get into some game specific stuff mm-hmm. do you remember when did when you ended up picking it back up did you end up finishing it uh on the pc together what happened there
1: yeah so um you know it's actually i mean um it's uh i would i would i would describe it as like Aside from the fact that Final Fantasy 8 is one of like is a game that I just like really like by its own merits. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. like part of the reason that it is uh, the game that I would come on a podcast to talk about is the fact that um, it was this communal activity that I had with my sister. That's so um, cool. You know, we were um, I, I would not describe it as we were distant um, because that was just like. Like there was nobody. Nobody was distant in my family. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, my my sister was kind of uh dealing with some stuff, and I was dealing with stuff, even though I was you know only nine, and um, it always felt like it was really hard um for the two of us to just like connect peacefully. Mm -hmm. Um. And this game was really where like she and I began to uh you know develop a bond that has that is. (laughs) there till this day um and you know it's uh it's it's kind of an infected all of my like my relationship to final fantasy in general is one that uh it, it is uh, what's the word uh, i was going to say unbreakable but it, it, it's inseparable yeah. from my relationship with my sister so yeah um we uh, although we later would get to places where we were like both comfortable playing these games by ourselves or yeah. you know um, on our own time um most of final fantasy 8 was played um together and if not played together then we would um you know we would certainly like do check in with each other and yeah. talk about what had happened and what we saw and you know um and, and stuff like that
0: that's so cool i mean I, I, there's no one reason why I wanted to start doing the show, but I would say if there was one reason, it's kind of exactly what you just shared, dude. Like, I think that it's so special. That's why I want to hear about the context. It's like some games can go beyond just being great games. It's like the bond you have with the people that are around you or the situation that you're in that makes them special. So And also, I will say that while my sister and i never really played through games like that we kind of had a similar relationship where we were a little distant too and didn't get along but it was like when we would play games it was like a moment of harmony yeah so um not about to make this (laughs) about myself even though i just shared but i think that's really cool no but
1: i mean like what is you know what is a what is a podcast about video games about like we're talking yeah um i yeah it's and and i think like that is um you know, video games can sometimes be such a solitary experience, and like certainly, yeah. you think about like uh, an RPG as like literally being like they're they're one-player games. Yeah, they're games made for somebody to pretend that they are socializing with other people. Um, <laughs> and, and, and but video games in general are these things that have this kind of notion of people being um, alone with each other, but they just as equally are these social communal things that are that people share with each other
0: yeah i think you are totally correct (laughs) and that's really that's really cool It's well it's also really cool to i mean you hear all the time about i mean you kind of just spoke on this a little bit but people playing games together but to share like a one-player game like this i wonder a i think that's really cool and special and b i wonder if just like with all the access that kids and families might have today like probably multiple switches for your kids like to, if that even happens anymore
1: yeah i mean that's a that's a great question i mean i i i would hope that it does um and, and i and I, I guess like the the reason that i could uh, i can imagine that it does is because i to this day um still get a lot of enjoyment out of uh like if somebody's playing a video game like you know, just being like, oh, no, 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 don't don't change. Don't change. I'll just sit here and yeah. just like, um, you know, just like watch. And if somebody's like willing to like talk about what they're playing or what they're experiencing, like better still. Totally. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, my, you know, my my mom used to read to us well after we were reading on our own. Like we yeah. were like we would be like 10, 11 and she would still be reading to us. Um, so like, I don't know there there's, I feel, I, I hope that people are still making space for like playing video games with their kids, um, that are, that are one player where maybe they're, their kid is playing and their kid is explaining why this game is, uh, interesting to them. And I hope that maybe they're playing games and showing their kids why this game is interesting to them.
0: Yeah. I have the same hope and I think, I think it is still happening. Maybe it's on like a different uh, wave or a different degree. I I saw a post on Reddit the other day. Was some dad posted a? It was like a picture of him and his son. His son watching him play Mega Man Two, and he's like, "My favorite <laughs> thing about games is like me showing my son the games that I loved as a kid." And so it's just like, well, first off, what a game to show. Yeah. And two, uh, I think it's still it's not it's not dead, is what I'll say.
1: Yeah. Although it, there, it is so funny. Also, like as 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 heartwarming as it can be. I also do do then also picture like a, a just a kid staring at his goddamn dad <laughs> just like you know dying to I don't know Clipper Man or whoever the boss is on <laughs> just being like dad give me like <laughs> there's so many games we could play together is
0: this has to be the one <laughs> yeah Oh, uh, uh, that's really cool um so okay so we uh, we've got to hear a lot about the context and if there's anything else you want to share oh actually before we move on from that sorry mm-hmm. i'm a little scatterbrained is yeah did you when you first finished this this game was it together was it separate do you remember
1: yeah oh yeah 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 so um we um I, I think that at at near the end of the game there might have been some points where i uh you know kind of branched off and like got something done without her mm-hmm. but no um when i when i was beating the game it was like we talked about it and it was like we're gonna um like we're gonna play we're gonna play the, oh. we're gonna play the last castle together um yeah and we definitely you know watched watched that final cut scene together Mm -hmm. Um, and god it really did it must have taken like um i you know my birthday's in late march and i feel like we were like i feel like it was maybe like september october when we finally got to the end of it
0: yeah that's a it's impressive that i'm impressed that you two were able to do that i i know that this is maybe different for other people, but like I, a have trouble finishing games Mm -hmm. and B can get lost so easily in a big JRPG like these, like I played, I started replaying the original final fantasy seven in, in, uh, in January, but I tried to pick up my old save file from before and truly dude was like, so lost. I'm just impressed that you two figured that out as kids. Oh
1: my God. Well, I mean, even the second time we played it. And again, I know we're going to talk about the junction system later. Like, we did such a suboptimal playthrough, um, that yeah. um we so I guess I'll talk a little bit about the junction system. I and
0: mean, this might be a good transition point if you're ready.
1: So one of the things that um one of the things that Final Fantasy 8 tried to do differently than uh than its predecessors were, were were two things. One was that um you know traditionally in RPGs uh you know each area enemies are a certain strength level and yeah. you fight enemies that are at that strength level until you match them in strength level and that's how you know that you're strong enough to beat the boss in that level and then you kind of move on to a new area where the enemies are stronger um final fantasy 8 was like oh you know what we can do is we can just scale everything to whatever level your party is at mm-hmm. so that was one thing that they did and that's um you know, that that could be cool. But the problem was uh, enemies tended to be very easy at low levels and tended to be difficult to the point of being harder than even the game's final boss <laughs> at the higher levels, of it, at, yeah. you know, as your game reached higher levels. So that was one thing. And it was combined with the other major system change in, in Final Fantasy eight, which was this thing called the junction system. So, again, in, in traditional RPGs, um, character progression is more or less tied to this idea of levels, experience levels, where if you fight enough battles, your character levels up. You go from level one to level two, usually up to a level 100. And with each level comes a corresponding stat gain. Uh, and those stats going up are what make you stronger so that you can fight bosses, fight stronger enemies. Well, Final Fantasy 8 decided that that was not actually how stats were really going to be boosted. Final Fantasy 8 decided that stats were going to be boosted by uh, junctioning or assigning each of your magical spells to one of your stats. Mm. And in fact, gaining a level does very little to improve your stats uh, to the point where To play the game optimally, and by optimally, I don't mean full enjoyment. I mean just like how to beat the game the hardest and the fastest. It was in your interest to not level up as much as you could, to stay as low level as you possibly could and just attach the strongest magic to your stats. Mm -hmm. We were completely, we didn't understand the system that well. And so we were just like, oh, okay, we'll level up. We'll keep leveling up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we did that. Um, and we were able to beat the game that way. We literally. Um, uh, so so, uh, this is maybe too technical, but Final <laughs> Fantasy eight was also um, unique in that all the other Final Fantasies um, had scaling experience. And what I mean by that is like to get from level one to two, maybe took like a hundred experience points. Yes. And then level two to three, maybe took like 300 or 400
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Final Fantasy eight. Every level took exactly a thousand experience points. Whoa. So to level from level five to a hundred and the enemies scaled and their experience increased as they scaled.
0: That's wacky.
1: So to level from level five. It's like the
0: opposite of what you normally see.
1: It's yeah, it's exact opposite of what you normally see. And cause, cause levels didn't matter in final fantasy except to make the game final fantasy eight, except to make the game harder. Yeah. So (laughs) I realized that, uh, you know, that all you had to do that, 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 you know, that there was no, um, that the curve actually, um, supported you leveling. And so I just like stayed in the first zone for like a couple hours and leveled my characters to level a (laughs) hundred. Um, and what, and this actually led to uh, me realizing a mechanic about the game, uh, which is, so as I said earlier, enemies scale to your level. So if you level to 100, all the enemies are level 100, and they're really strong. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, bosses in Final Fantasy VIII had, um, although they did scale, they had limits to their scaling. Interesting. So like a boss might max out at level an early an early game boss might max out at level 10. Mm. So we were in this conundrum where. Every boss we fought was chicken shit easy, <laughs> and every enemy we fought was so dangerous that we had no choice but to run away all the time. Yep. Um, but you were able to beat the game that way because the bosses were relatively easy. Um, Jeez. And, and there was, I there was, there were like a couple moments where you had to had to fight an enemy. You couldn't run away from it, and and those were the boss fights to me yeah. in that game.
0: The unintentional
1: boss fights. Yeah,
0: uh, was running hard or was it, is it like? A, I know some games it differs on your success.
1: Uh, running was not particularly hard. Okay. Um, it, the only thing that made it hard was that um, we were playing on a PC, and so it was like I I could never remember what the buttons were. It was like it was just like what button on the keyboard do I have to press? Like you yes. have to press some keys in conjunction, but it was not particularly difficult.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Can you give me, and I've done my own research but this, so I guess this is more for the, I'll act like it's more for the listeners, but it's also a lesson for me too. Mm-hmm. An example of how you might junction an ability to a statistic or to like an attribute.
1: Sure. So, um, the, the game has, um, the, the junction system was built on, uh, on i guess two pillars two two foundations if that's even a thing
0: um
1: the first foundation were these things called guardian forces which are um for if anybody's played any other final fantasy games are the equivalent of summons Mm. right they are like these mythical creatures that you know you summon and they have these fucking dope animations and they do a hell of a lot of damage
0: big old Um, bastards just crushing it
1: big bastards crushing it (laughs) um and 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 so you over the course of the game you would acquire more and more of these guardian forces. Um and then the other pillar is um drawing magic. So again, um in previous games uh magic is something that you learned and you usually had a pool of uh like mana or magic points and you could cast as many spells as you wanted until you ran out of magic points. Mm-hmm. Well in Final Fantasy VIII, um magic was treated like an more like an item in your inventory. Mm. So you didn't learn magic, there was no permanent magic on any character. Instead what you did was you either um drew the magic from your from your enemies which was you used a spell that pulled like it would be like you now have six cures, cure spells okay. on your character or you would turn items into magic spells and the magic spells would have an, an, a specific number associated with them so you might have like you might have like 20 fire spells uh, mm. and as you cast fire it would go down 19 18 17 whatever uh, whatever counting yeah um, <laughs> and so to junction a to junction magic to your stats what would happen is first you would assign a guardian force to a specific character. Mm. And that guardian force would open up some of your stats to make them able to junction magic to them. So you you know you take a you know you you say all right, I'm going to put this dragon on my main character. And now because I have this dragon on my main character, I can associate a magical spell with my character's uh health. Yes. And I'm going to, I have, you know, I have 50 cure spells and I'm going to assign, I'm going to junction my healing spell to my health and that's going to raise my overall health. Mm. But here's the, here was the, also the conundrum there, right? So you, these spells give you these meaningful stat gains, right? But the spells and the stat gain is dependent on how many of that spell you have. So if I want to actually use a spell and it's junction to one of my stats, at the same time I'm using the spell, I'm lowering my own stats.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So they incentivize the acquisition of spells, but then they completely decentivize the use of spells and for anybody who plays like you know games like this it's like yo i want to i want to shoot fire at these goddamn people and not die immediately yeah um so so that was the junction system um in all its kind of you know warts and flaws um i i still think it's an interesting system i think it's um something that i think if they re-examined it and and were re-examined it with the cognizance of what about it was interesting and what about it was not interesting. There's a way to make it work that's really fascinating. Um but um that was their system and it, it took place of it took the place of equipment basically. So there was no real like getting items that made your characters better. It was all about your junctions being better.
0: That's so, right. So like no no uh weapon, no shield, no armor sort of thing. Yeah um that's really interesting uh hearing you explain it has been helpful i've watched and actually months ago when you and i i think full disclosure we planned to record this right when covid hit because we very specifically were excited about doing the video the companion so you could actually show which i'm think i still want to find a way to do that so we'll maybe someday we'll be able to figure out some thing where we do something online anyway (laughs) um but I had watched a bunch of videos and done my research. Hearing you explain it is so is, is a lot more helpful and succinct. I do sort of have a question about one thing. Yeah. Um. I feel like I had seen on some of the menu screens, like there'd be a certain value under, I don't know if it's a junction or what, but it might be like 61 over 100. Do you like, as you use these junctions, do they, and maybe you've already answered this, do they, does that, Uh, I guess guardian spirit that you have guardian force get stronger through the game too?
1: Oh yeah. So, um, the, the, the way that you would use a guardian force in the game is you would, um, you know, you would choose it from your menu. And then there was a period of time where you would, um, that was like you summoning it. Uh, and so the guardian force is also leveled up and they also had a, um, a stat called compatibility Oh. and the way compatibility worked was um if you were more compatible with a guardian force if one of your characters like so for instance again the main character's name is squall you know squall has some dragon junction to him uh and his compatibility is you know a hundred percent then it might hmm. take that dragon half a second to be summoned Okay. Um, if squall's compatibility with that junction was you know two percent then it might take 25 seconds for that summon to come oh, out okay um yeah so that so that that was what the that was the fraction that you were seeing
0: there oh interesting
1: um, um and there were different factors um that caused the compatibility to Uh, go up or down. It was honestly something that to me never affected the game, but I think it was like the more you summon a certain guardian force, it would, the compatibility would go up uh, and the more you summoned other guardian forces, the compatibility would go down and then there were like items that you could eat that would make (laughs) the compatibility go up and then also like the guardian forces like had characters that they just preferred. Um, So there was like a little bit of like a – I mean the most rudimentary like idea of them having personalities um, in that (laughs) sense, which was literally just like, oh, like I just got this new guardian force and it likes this guy more than this guy. That's Um, really funny. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Uh, Last question about the system and the guardians Mm -hmm. is that as they would – I hope this question makes sense. As they would get stronger, you would use them more. Would they learn – Now that they would learn new abilities, would you have more abilities uh, available to your character that they're assigned to? Or is it like from the get-go, they've got this set abilities?
1: No, no, no. That's actually a good good call out. Yeah, they did have – as the Guardians got stronger, they would learn abilities. And that was how your characters learned abilities. If your characters – absent of these Guardians, your characters were – were nobodies in this game (laughs) yeah um like truly like they didn't have like um there was a weapon upgrade system but the weapon upgrades were basically meaningless Mm. um i I think that like going from the worst weapon to the best weapon um it changed it it changed like one aspect of the game which was some characters limit breaks actually that was one character Um, and we can talk about that if we want to, uh, this game, this could go on forever. Um, so, (laughs) but like, I think it changed, like, it maybe added like 20 points to that character's attack. Um, and in contrast to that, the attack stats went up to 255, uh, and, you know, junctioning a very basic spell to an attack stat could easily add 30 or 40 points to somebody's mm-hmm. attack that. So so the weapons were were basically meaningless. It was all about these guardian forces and they would uh, as they would level up and as they would get ability points, they would learn new um you know new things that you could do and new um new abilities and stuff like that. And then you could you know through them use these abilities on your characters.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. That that makes a lot of sense. The more truly the more we talk about this, the more I'm like Hmm. Am I going to sometime soon buy the remaster on Switch and try it out? Uh, just because it sounds—it's like not really like anything I've ever played.
1: There are there are worse ways to spend, uh, you know, thirteen dollars. <laughs> and y- you know, here's the thing about Final Fantasy VIII, right? Um, is you know, there's a reason why Final Fantasy VII has the hype that it does. Yeah. Um, it was. It was the it was the big leap in final fantasy games you know so many people played it um and it's 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 a much more complete game than final fantasy 8. but i will to this day say that final fantasy 8 is a game that is much more um uh it, it's much more intriguing and, and yeah. uh it, it um it sparks the imagination more than final fantasy 7 um because final fantasy 8 to me is is this game that is just um incredible potential that was you know let let down in a couple different ways yeah. um by nobody's fault other than the people who made it yeah. um but um you know obviously final fantasy 7 just got the first uh the the beginnings of a remake um and Keyword uh,
0: beginnings <laughs> beginnings
1: yeah the first uh the first 20% of a remake <laughs> uh, and you know, final fantasy seven is the one that, you know, got the movies and all that stuff. But final fantasy eight is the game that to me is the one that they should, they, they should go back and they should fix it. Cause if they went back and fixed it, I think that people would be so, it, it would be so fun and so interesting. And it's also the game that to me is, um, really uh, invites itself to have a sequel. Yeah, um, I, I think there could be some very interesting sequels built off it because it was just it was just a very um, a, a wide and interesting world where you would go do things and there would be like you'd like you know you'd go off and like run into some random village and there'd be this like whole world in this village. <laughs> That there's no incentive to really fucking look at. Like you would, like you, you'd be like, yeah. oh my god, what is this place? Like, what's the story here? And then it would be like, you know, you'd go online and look it up, and it'd be like, oh, like if you, um, you know, if you do this entire side quest, you get a magic rock, and you're like, what? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I like, I'm it, yeah. You're like, if I do that side quest, I get a magic rock, and if I do this side quest. I get a freaking uh, I get a summon that looks like a giant spaceship and is the size of a planet. So, <laughs> tell me again which one I'm supposed to care about?
0: Yeah, really. <sighs> oh, that's interesting. Um, it's it's funny. It's it's uh, it seems like a much. And don't get me wrong, I believe that a seven has nuance. There's a like a lot of really cool ways that kind of like in eight you can. Sort of take advantage of the systems in seven, uh, like in like when it comes to the knights of the round and different um combinations of weapons, but this one I think, like you said, does seem to have a lot of nuance that was almost uh, just not explored enough that would could benefit from that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Um. And I mean, we haven't talked about the story of the game at all yet, have we? No.
0: Feel free to. No, we haven't at all. Feel free to. <laughs> what do you want to talk about there?
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was also like um it's one of these games where it's like it i guess i would describe it as like the story is as deep as you want it to be um Mm -hmm. there are there are still people on the internet i mean i guess this is the case with everything but there's still people on the internet who uh you know are seems like daily writing about what they think the story was really about what was (laughs) going on and there are all these insane theories theories um that got such widespread um that became so widespread that uh even members of square enix had to uh say no 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 that is not um, (laughs) that is not what we think the game was that was not the story we were telling but like this is a game where you play as a bunch of um again and these are the things that you like don't even think about when you're when you're 10 playing the game but you play as a bunch of 17 year old students at a military academy yeah except um at the military academy they attend they actually get sent into real combat situations and work as mercenaries which means that they're we're playing as child soldiers (laughs) the entire time um and uh you know i I won't give away too much but you you learned that they were basically plucked from an orphanage to do this job and um you know by the end of the game, uh, time travel has become a factor.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Which is also, like, I think it gives you an example of, like, how uh, how this game kind of, like, you know, is one that is considered both systematically and from a story perspective, like, it has spun off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I think all of that kind of stuff um, begets... Oh, you also... Um, You um, there are large portions of the game that are played uh, inside your how to describe this, where you are dreaming and in your dreams, you are helping your the main characters implied father uh, in the past. Um, so it's just, and also like I say implied father, because, um, this was something that I didn't pick up on in my first like four playthroughs of the game, but, uh, (laughs) but like again, (laughs) by, uh, somebody on the internet, uh, and and I guess most people figured this out, but like, there's a character in the game and you're supposed to read into the fact that he's the main character's father. And I just never got that
0: (laughs) Um, incredible.
1: And the game never explicitly says it either, Um, which is like, you know, look out for, look out for your people who are 11 year olds playing this game. Uh, Yeah,
0: really? They might not under pick up on that immediately. Yeah.
1: And also, you know, the graphics are incredible. Um, You know, they were the um, I think it was like it was definitely the first Final Fantasy game that where, as you said, like the models on the. Uh, field and in the game were the same as in the battle system uh, and then they spruce them up for the um you know for the motion videos but you know you could really tell who who each of the characters were but the character but the the graphics were not so good that it was just like, oh yeah, I can really tell that these two people look alike
0: yeah <laughs> i I remember it dude I, so again never played this game, but uh-huh. I remember. Being at a friend's birthday party in seventh grade, a, a kind of a newer friend, mm-hmm. and shout out to I don't know if he's still out there, Philip Steigers. Yeah, what, um, what up, Philip? What up, Philip? Uh, but he had this game on he had a PlayStation and had this game and a bunch of other games. And I remember I was so curious, I I asked him to boot it up, and I remember thinking the characters, while you know, you could tell they were like human bodies and stuff, I was like, Their faces are fuzzy, who's who yeah. I just, that's something that stuck with me forever. And of course this is the original version of the game. You even had like, I guess, I don't know if you know this, but the PC version that you played even had already smoother graphics.
1: Oh, I, that probably, that checks out because, cause I was, you know, both, both me and my sister, I was talking to my sister about this game a little bit, um, had recollections of the graphics being a little bit better than how they presented them uh, in like the retrospect of the remaster. And nice. I realize now that that was probably because we were playing the PC version of the game.
0: Oh, there you go. Um, but they we're, still we're, weren't amazing.
1: And my PC was so goddamn bad. <laughs> oh my God, my PC was so, so bad back then.
0: Jeez. Yeah. Um, what I remember, this is a really quick side tangent. I remember mm-hmm. having games, uh, never really played any games this that looked this good on my Parents' computer growing up, but when we got a new computer, how I was amazed! I was like, "Oh my gosh, this game is supposed to run at twice the speed." I had no clue. Yeah, I, just a whole new world.
1: I, I mean, and, and now it's—I I, just—I wonder if—I uh, mean, I guess—I guess they—they I guess they, they can't do anything about it, but like, um, I, I wonder if like games are just like we will not run on some computers. Yes, um, like God bless my computer for trying, but like uh, I, I wonder, like if uh, if like Square Enix quality control nowadays would be like we are just going to declare that this computer cannot run this game, like at, during the installation. <laughs> I'd be Although that would probably get people upset.
0: Yeah, they probably wouldn't announce it, but that probably is the case. Yeah. Um, was there anything else about like the about the story, or I mean, I guess about like your experience in general? that you felt like you wanted to share didn't get to touch on yet
1: um you know just that the story was like um it was such a it was it was such a fun story to um to be like a preteen or young teenager and play
0: yeah
1: um you know the game came out roughly the same year or maybe I think it came out the same year or like right around the time where the titanic phase like titanic was still very much (laughs) on people's minds and even though we were all too young to have gone and seen titanic we had all seen it you know yep um oh yeah and so to create a uh a video game that was about swords and cool shit but then also was like the center really the center of the game is like a love story between these two teenagers
0: yeah we haven't talked about that yet
1: is like uh it was like very um, enthralling to be, uh, you know, to be 11, 12 and like playing this game and like playing this story like that. Totally. And, um, you know, again, the, the game was, um, the game, you know, is, you know, like all these, like every final fantasy you start out, uh, and like in the first, well, actually final fantasy eight is, is, is a little bit different in this sense because in final fantasy eight, uh, your first boss fight is against a freaking demigod. And then your, your first mission in the game is literally going into an active war zone. Um, so, but like, (laughs) you know, like in most, most RPGs, you know, you start out really small and by the end you're fighting God himself. Yep. Um, this game felt, you know, had that kind of scope to it, but then really like the game is about this awkward teenager, this shy teenager, um, who, you know, kind of, I think unfairly got memed, uh, you know, as, as message boards started showing up as being emo. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I always read him as just like, you know, shy and careful, um, yeah. learning how to, uh, learning how to engage with the people around him and how to open himself up and, and rely on the people around him. And, and I, you know, uh, I, I, I loved that. I loved that story. And it, you know, it resonated with me as a, you know, a 12 year old, um, you know, when you're again, like you're, you know, when you're a kid and like, I think particularly guys have a tendency to, um, uh, to be very shielded with their emotions and to feel like they cannot, uh, to share with, you know, to share and to be vulnerable around other people. Uh, so to play a game like that was, um you know, it was, it was refreshing and it was good.
0: That's really cool. And I think you're totally right. Uh, And that's something we've, I don't know about you, but I've had to unpack for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really, that's really, really cool. Um, Well, I mean, mean, if you don't have anything else that you'd like to share, um, let's move on to a couple fun segments before we end the show. Yeah, sounds great. And and again, thank you so much for sharing. That was really cool. Absolutely. Um, So first, let's move on to the last two segments of the show. The first being the fact me by your game segment. (laughs) Um, So this, David, is just a segment where I tell my guest facts about the game that you may or may not know. This could be anything from, like, Easter eggs, development history, um, you name it. So, here we go. Um, so, the first one, uh, and this comes from the YouTube channel Final Fantasy Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several antagonists in this game that were designed, actually, for Final Fantasy 7, but made it, that were saved for this game. Did you, were you aware of this?
1: Um, Antagonists. I actually, if I recall correctly, I think um, the sorceress Edia is supposed to be... Um, an antagonist from Final Fantasy VII. I think her character design came from there. Is that right?
0: Is that the main villain in the game?
1: In this uh, one, the main villain is called Ultimecia. I guess she's the last villain in the game. Gotcha. Um, but then there's it, it's. God damn, this game gets so confusing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was such an. There's so many unnecessary levels of um, confusion in this game. And and I I mean I don't know. Do people listen? Like like do your listeners. Are they do they tend to be people who have played the game or do they want to discover the game for themselves? Do they like spoilers? Do they hate spoilers?
0: The, I would say for a game that's been out for 21 years, we usually on the show are not afraid of spoilers, so feel free to share.
1: Okay, so there's uh, so the main bad person for the first two discs is this sorceress uh, named Edia or Adea or something like that. And she uh you know, she's awful and she's running a country. And uh, and you spend all your time fighting her. She you know, she fucks your party up pretty bad at one point. Mm. Um, and then uh, and then like at the end of, I guess, the second disc, you beat her good enough that she um, it you discover that she's possessed by an even worse sorceress named Ultimisha, oh. who you've never met. And she's from the future and she's gone into the past because she needs to do something to affect the future um and it's just this whole thing and you find out that sorceress edia is um is actually the the matron of the orphanage where all the characters in the game no matter where they came from it turns out we're at the we're we're at this orphanage all at the same time and it's just a whole fuckeroo but oh. yeah i think um so so edia is the main bad guy for the first two discs um and then the third disc is kind of A little bit, uh, there's not really like a core centralized bad person in the third disc. And then the big bad of the game is another sorceress named Ultamisha who lives in a castle in the future.
0: Wow. Oh, my gosh. I definitely also pronounced it as Ultimania at the top of the show. Uh,
1: Well, there's also like this thing that Final Fantasy comes out with um, called Ultimania, which is like this book. Or yeah. like a magazine or something that like where they just like tell like all the stories about the creation and like all this stuff. So there is something called Ultimania oh, that's like directly related to Final Fantasy.
0: Oh well, uh, well there you go. But I think that a you are correct. That is one of that was one of the characters that was designed for Final Fantasy VII. So were uh, Fujin and Raijin. Oh um, okay, yeah. And what ended up happening was the dev team for Final Fantasy VII. A lot of the same people were working on Chrono Trigger at the time. Mm-hmm. And when that Chrono Trigger had like an all hands on deck moment to finish the game, mm-hmm. um, they put aside Seven for a bit. And when they came back to it they eventually ended up just shifting those three villains to eight instead of seven. Yeah. So pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, And I think
1: that was like a par for the course with square Enix back then was they would be working on a game and working on the next game. And then it would suddenly be like, Oh shit, we got to work on the current game. (laughs) And so all the resources from, you know, the next game down the line would be shifted back to the first game. And then when they returned to the new game, they would, have um, you know the, the everything would have changed
0: absolutely uh, and that's exactly what happened here um, the second fact that I have for you today is that uh, obviously I'm sure you're aware there's Star Wars references in many if not all the Final Fantasy games this is the one with the most uh, references to Star Wars characters yes um, this comes from a YouTube channel Final Fantasy Union um, the first uh, is there are five characters like I said in 8 um of course the most common are Vixen Wedge who are in uh almost every fi- I think they're in every final fantasy mainline game now they I, th- I guess they added them into uh 9 in the remaster um, Oh I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're like uh characters excuse me, not 9. They're not in 9 but they're added into 4. They remade uh Oh four yeah, on the DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so Vixen Wedge of course there's also Nita who in the mm-hmm. game in the in Star Wars is the Imperial commander who loses the Falcon and is choked out by uh, Vader yeah he's uh, the
1: guy who pilots um, again I, I love talking about Final Fantasy 8 like out of context yes he's the guy mm-hmm. who pilots the school when the school oh. transforms into a giant land ship the school <laughs> dr- transforms into a giant <laughs> floating ship uh about halfway through the game and it's your first vehicle that you use throughout the game
0: it almost sounds like something i would make up to sound like i know what the game what's about the game yeah (laughs) uh um so after nita there is piet Mm -hmm. um who is named after admiral firmus piet who commands vader's flagship the executor and the last one is martine who actually, um, that's that's his English name, but in the Japanese version, the translation is Dodonna, which is a tribute to some throwaway character named Jan Dodonna in the early Star Wars movies who's a part of the Rebel Alliance. So
1: That is fascinating. Yeah, Piet is a character um, who you meet very late in the game who is affiliated with um, the space program. Oh, um, the, there's this one city, um, the, the whole game is like mostly futuristic, but there's this one city that even dwarfs the rest of the world in their um, technological abilities. And oh, wow. uh, Piet uh, helps run the the space station that you uh, travel to from this city. And then oh. Martin is, uh, I hope I'm getting this right. I believe he is the headmaster of one of the rival child soldier schools that you, oh. um, that you spend some time at. Um, and then he's, uh, and then he's fired from his job at some point.
0: Oh, well that's from what I remember from the YouTube video I watched. That sounds correct.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, awesome. Then the last fact I have for you, um, which I'd be interested to know if you are aware of this is that final fantasy eight, uh, music from that made its way into the 2004 Olympics. Did you were you aware of this at all? Because I could. Just oh tell yes, you.
1: I was aware of this. Are you yeah. talking about um, the um, so so Final Fantasy Eight also has Final Fantasy is known for having a um, a stunning soundtrack. Most mm-hmm. of the games have have memorable soundtracks, uh, and uh, they had a consistent a consistent, um, a consi- consistent composer uh, up until I believe Final Fantasy Twelve, uh, Nobu o- Oematsu. Um, yeah. who I, I think is one of the best, um, so good best composers, uh, for, you know, media for anything. Uh, and at with final fantasy eight, they got really ambitious and they included, uh, in the, in the game, a full song. And what I mean by a full song is that, um, it was a song with, with lyrics and stuff like that. It was actually mm-hmm. a voiced song. Uh, the, the song was called eyes, eyes on me. Um, and I believe that some figure skaters or no uh, was it figure skaters or rhythmic gymnastics um, uh, danced to it.
0: This the one I'm that may have happened to this uh-huh. is actually uh, synchronized swimming doubles.
1: Oh okay. okay that checks out. okay yeah
0: yeah and, and in fact the song they used, I, I'm aware of eyes on me and I saw somewhere it sold like it for a while was the highest selling video games song ever. Um, but they actually did the, the opening track, uh, Libere Vitale. Oh my and God. And then, then they also did the, forgive me. I'm not going to pronounce this right. Uh, Fethos Lucek Wekos Vinosek. Okay. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like that, which is one of the other two main ones. Um,
1: yeah. It's and the they, creepy the US, song that they, uh, that they play whenever you're near a, um, a sorceress.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow Um, and the just uh, just to wrap that up the US ended up winning bronze so so there you go
1: was that was that the US team that did that
0: yes they they played those two songs for their routine
1: nice good on you United States
0: I know the, the rare time we're ever gonna say that yeah um Uh, Perfect. So that wraps up the fact me by your game segment. The last one is I have game recommendations for you. Uh, This is my one shoe in to, or my one forced connection to the movie. Call me by your name, Uh David. So in the, basically my idea was in the movie, I was thinking about when uh, Timothy Chalamet's character ends his relationship with Army Hammer. Like what sort of person does he date? You've probably had friends who like when they date someone new after an old relationship They have been like eerily similar to Uh their previous partner or wildly different or like totally something you wouldn't have expected. So these recommendations are in line with that. Okay. Um, So the first thing is if you can't quit the Dashing Boy Squall and you just need Squall in your life in another JRPG, uh, this is kind of a force. But I recommend to you uh, Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance. Ah, yes. because they're uh, – have you played this game, by the way? Oh, yeah. Dude, one of my all-time favorites. I actually, Unbelievable
1: game. And also a game that I think um, I think gives a, a blueprint of what a working junction system could look like.
0: Yes. I have been so eager to talk to you about this for this exact reason. With the uh, – Daijin? Is that how you pronounce them? Or Jin? Jin. Jin.
1: Yeah, well, it's like d- the root of genie.
0: Oh, okay. There you go. Well, you might remember that one of the, uh, what are they? Mercury? It might be Mercury. No, it's the wind one. There's a a gin that is named Squall that Ivan has.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So that's my, that's my one connection there. (laughs) Um, I actually just beat that. I've had it since I was a kid and I just beat it the other day for the first time. Wow. How'd it feel? amazing like i loved that game i don't know why i always have trouble finishing games and then i just started the second one so i'm playing through that now
1: you know i'll tell you i and and i think this this is a particularly an affliction that happens with me and jrpgs yes is i will play a game to like maybe like 75 completion and then just walk
0: away from it dude i am that happens to me all the time. Like this playthrough that I just finished, I actually did like 20 months ago and mm-hmm. I got to the end and didn't finish it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's um, just knowing that you're strong enough to beat the game or, yeah, uh, you know, I don't think it's that I'm like I'm scared to leave the game. But it's just like, you know, a lot of times like I'll just like play a game hard and be like, oh, cool. I got all the ultimate weapons. All right, I'm done
0: yep uh, Ugh, i have the same issue or for here's another even crazier example i sometimes will get this year i've gotten to two final bosses and stopped playing the game the first one is paper mario the thousand year door uh-huh. and the second is uh the final fantasy 7 remake i just haven't gone back to finish it
1: wow and it, it ridiculous <laughs> yeah um but. Now, 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 have you, I mean, I, I think I know you well enough to know that you have beaten Paper Mario 1000 your door where it doesn't matter that you didn't beat it this time.
0: Actually, no, I've never completed that game. What? I, I know I got it. I got it for myself in, uh, January. Uh, and then I... I beaten the first one. I played the first one a few times, but uh-huh. I I hadn't finished the... Basically, I went to the last boss and I lost. So I was like, okay, I'll go grind for a while because clearly I'm too low of a level. I uh-huh. went and like grinded. I got the extra partner. I got all of the um, badges and I went back and lost again. So I need to. So match.
1: you're just like bad at the game. You're stupid.
0: <laughs> yes. Thank you for finally saying it. You've been holding back. This we got to Look,
1: somebody, we got to start admitting that we're not all good at games. Yes. And I certainly am not. So you know what? This Enjoy is my time to do the
0: same. Uh, thank you for making me feel brave. Uh, the second game that I have recommending to you, um, I actually changed this one last minute. Um, so, this game, uh, 8, is a departure from from its previous game in some ways. So, I wanted to find another game in a storied franchise that took uh, one of the most popular entries in the series and changed some stuff up. And this game is Mario Kart Double Dash on the GameCube. Oh my God. I don't know if you've played that one.
1: Yeah, I've played I've played Double Dash. I mean, it's people think of Double Dash as like the height of the Mario Kart series, right? Like,
0: I think it a lot of people do and I'm I'm like it can be easily swayed there. I love
1: uh-huh. it. W- where is your top Mario Kart?
0: Probably just in terms of how the game works, probably the current one, Deluxe it, or 8 good. Deluxe. But I think <laughs> And second for me is Double Dash. And then third is the... I actually love the original DS game.
1: Oh, I've never played the DS game.
0: Yeah, it's pretty... It launched with the system. It's pretty great. Mm. Um, and then uh, the last one, the last recommendation I have for you is that if you... And I'm glad we talked about this at the end of the episode, is that if you can't lose the focus of romance from Final Fantasy VIII, if that's what really gets you i've got another game that is uh focused on romance and this is a game called to the moon it is a 2011 game um basically the story of this game is that there's like this corporation that can craft artificial memories for people on their deathbed and essentially they craft uh this like scenario where this guy um achieve basically tries to achieve his dream by going to the moon and falls in love with this like fictional
1: character in his dream before he passes away so yeah depressing but i was gonna say i'm vaguely i like when you said that i was like oh is that the one about the old man and the woman yes and i uh i have that is such that that game has always intrigued me but it has always looked so sad yeah. that i was just like <laughs> i was like i don't know who like you know again i'm not uh, <laughs> I'm not a 12 year old um, exploring my emotions anymore. I am yeah. a 30 year old avoiding my emotions. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> so, yep. But um. Um, that game has always looked incredible. You know, when you brought up the Mario Kart Double Dash, when you were talking about games that, yeah. um, you know, games that were uh, drastic departures from, uh, you know, story predecessors, I thought you were going to bring up Chrono Cross.
0: Oh, that. That would have been a great one.
1: Which I have to admit is... Probably if there was like a number two game that I would have come on this podcast to talk about, it would have been Chrono Cross because that is also one of my favorite games of all
0: time. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've I've played, I love Chrono Trigger. It's one of my all timers. I've never played Cross, but, and and also like I hope to bring people back for second episode. So keep that one in your back pocket.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm more than happy to become the guy who just talks about um, underwhelming sequels.
0: <laughs> Let's get that as your brand, David. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Well, this game's also available on uh Windows, iOS, and Nintendo Switch, but that brings us to the end of the game recommendations and that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. So, um, before we wrap up and do any plugs, um, I just wanted to thank you again for not only taking the time to do this with me and come on my show and share your experience, but also for what you shared. It was like true like I said earlier, it was like the story that you shared is like the most fun part of this show for me so I really appreciate it
1: yeah I mean thank you for uh thanks for doing this Connor I mean I, I I really enjoy what this podcast is because um I don't know uh you know video game culture is is so many different things yeah. and um some of the things are not that great um yep. and like we that means you gotta work hard to uh, amplify the things that are great about it
0: yeah well, uh, well, thanks, dude. Um, David Dinella, my friend. Was there anything you wanted to plug before we head out?
1: Um, honestly, uh, no. I mean, obviously, we are in crazy times. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we are in, in, in wild, um, insane times. Um, so I would just say to anybody out there who's listening to this and um, knows that these are insane times, uh, you know, just I would encourage you to find something that involves engaging with other people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that is difficult, um, with COVID going on, but, uh, now more than ever, it, it's an important time to, um, to rekindle your connection to humanity, um, in a tangible way, in a way that yeah. where you're actually talking to people, learning about other people. Um, again, I was playing a single player game, but weirdly it was, um, um, you know, one of the first and strongest and deepest beginnings of my connections with my sister. Um, and I, I encourage everybody else to go out and find something where they are connecting with another human.
0: I love that. That's like by far the uh, one of the most wholesome and uh, I would say beneficial pl- ideas and plugs we've had. So thanks, buddy. <laughs> no um, problem. I also I don't se-
1: have shit going on. So, I
0: <laughs> so I hey, we don't it. have to say that. You've got plenty going on. Yeah uh well thanks again um uh, thanks for sharing that david uh this show thanks, is produced by the great jeremy schmidt you can check him out on twitter at ocarina of crime instagram at Scaremy schmidt listen to his show video games a comedy show which david it would be awesome to have it's not my show but you should come on sometime <laughs> it's just like a round table where we talk about video games and what we're playing and uh fun topics um always so check out video games and comedy show where you get your podcast you can follow me on twitter and instagram at connor underscore mccabe uh i haven't been doing twitch for about a month but i'm gonna be back at it doing something soon so follow me at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69 uh thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode